Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is the shark. He's back. The big guy. Big guy's back. Baba Ganoo special. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe to the podcast on whichever device you use. I actually heard... Darius Johnson Odom, former point guard at Marquette, also kind of looks like Alien versus Predator. I don't know which one, either the Alien or the Predator, but if you look at a side-by-side of the movie poster and Darius Johnson Odom, they kind of look alike. But he subscribes, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feed is and shark at shark underscore ultra BB. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis in honoring the Memphis Blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. still trying to rattle my head around the djo reference there what it's not coming to me right now who are the three guards that they had back when like jimmy butler was on the team Lazar Hayward. Lazar Hayward. he was a forward but i'm just yeah. rattling names i'll think of them the guy will come to me but anyways that's when i look at marcus howard play as we all watched him play this past weekend small shifty you know bucket getter that's the guard I was thinking of, but you went with Darius Johnson on him, but whatever. Um, what was the question? Grammys, man. I don't want to dive right in to the cold water with college hoops yet. We got Grammys were, was a great night. I don't understand why you don't like the Grammys. It's just full of performances. Well, I mean, so you and I, we, we have been big time award show guys since we've known each other going back, you know, 
almost two decades at this point. But anyways, we've always been big award show guys. I, I, I just, something about the Grammys. I don't, I always feel like I'm lagging behind. I don't get the reference. I, I'm two years behind the trend. I, I, I think it's too futuristic for me. I have no clue what the fuck's going on. I'm on a work. I'm an award show guy, but I'm for things that I can see film, you know, theater, Emmys, things like that. Uh, because with the TV shows, you know, I, I'm right there along with them. But when they throw all these musicians up there making references I've never even heard of and dressing like they're uh, on the Hunger Games living in the Capitol, I can't keep up. So I feel out of place. So if you saw Offset sticking his tongue out like Michael I, Jordan at Cardi's performance. I don't even know who I don't even know who Offset is. I have no clue who that guy is. I know Cardi B is because she's I can tell you that much. Um, I probably wouldn't be able to distinguish the two if you put them in the room. Um, but I have literally no clue who Offset is. I I couldn't tell you one song he sings. Do you know what group he belongs to? He's he's in a group. I I don't know. That, that's what I'm talking about. That's why I don't like yeah. watching the Grimms. I feel like an idiot. I feel like a chump. I'm sitting there watching things I don't understand. But it, it's just I'm there for the musical theater. And there's still theater. Yeah, in yeah, the Grimms, so I'm man. good with that. Like the I watched Miley Cyrus. It was good to see her. Good. She, Dolly Parton. That was great. Yeah, that was good. I didn't see that one. I was watching True Detective, but the True Detective ended, and then I saw J Lo doing Motown. I enjoyed <sighs> it. <because> she's attractive. <sighs> I didn't understand why she's doing Motown. Isn't yeah, she Jenny from the block? Like what's her connection to that? Again, yeah, there was, there was, I felt that a place and I don't get it. No, I think you aren't alone in that respect. I think a lot of people were very curious as to why JLo was covering Motown. Why not get literally any other black artist? I think that would have been more applicable than Jenny from the block covering Motown, but Cardi B knocked it out of the park. I thought Travis Scott sucked. I'm just going to start naming some people that you may or may not know. Dominique James. That was the name of the guard I was thinking of. I don't remember Dominique James. You know, Cheatham? Yeah, no, it was Dominique James, and then they had Lazar Hayward, Wes Matthews, and Jimmy Butler. Oh, gosh, you know, that feels like just taking a good dump, being able to get that off your chest right there. They got to bring back the Baby Blues. I don't see them in the Baby Blues anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, have they really? I, I know you're excited and you're, you want to crown Villanova dead probably later in this episode, but can you really be that excited if you're Marquette? That game was kind of cringeworthy, worthy towards the end. They had a big time lead for majority of the game. And then, yeah, yeah, towards the end, they just shit their pants. We'll, we'll dive into it a little bit more, but award show season. I know we discussed this a couple of weeks ago with the Oscar noms coming out, but award show season, the Grammys were great. And we had a lot of great theater in college hoops this past weekend. A couple episodes back, I ranked, I think there were five buzzer beaters. That weekend, this weekend, there were three awesome buzzer beaters as well. And so I'm going to go through these three and rank them from three to one. Let's start in the Big Ten, Northwestern at Iowa. Iowa, sneaky good team. A lot of people are just strictly talking about Michigan and Michigan State at the top of the Big Ten. Watch out for Iowa. Even Maryland, Wisconsin, nobody's talking about Iowa and Fran McCaffrey. But let me set the scene here for this buzzer beater. Iowa was down something like 14 points with three and a half minutes to go against Northwestern dead to rights, zero business being in this game or even making it close. Jordan Bohannon gets the ball off the inbounds, makes a nice little move, little step back, buries a three. And let me take a quick aside here. I feel like there's been a million Bohannons in the big 10. 
I know for a fact there's been a Bohannon on Wisconsin. Yeah, that's I right. I think there has to have been. So last Jason. episode, was it, are they brothers? They have to be brothers, Jason yeah. and Jordan. And they're six foot four white guys with a buzz cut. They've yeah. got to be brothers. Have to be. I, I think I said this last week on the episode in terms of how you can 100% distinguish a Wisconsin Badger from a team like Iowa. But there have been a million Bohannons. But Jordan Bohannon hits the shot. What makes this coming in at number three is that Iowa should have never really been in this position to begin with. But it was a really good shot, and it was an amazing comeback. Like I said, had no business being in it. But this also takes me to another sort of side story, Northwestern. Remember two years ago when they were supposed to be laying the foundation for a tournament team every single year, Chris Collins, I think Doug Collins, son as the head coach. We all remember that Northwestern crying kid that, Oh, the most cringeworthy gif of the 2017 tournament when they lost to Gonzaga Northwestern though, man, they, they just stink these past couple of years, these past two years. Yeah. Uh, I do remember the, all the journalists at ESPN and any sort of sports publication coming out being super excited about Northwestern getting that win. I think it was against Vandy in the 8-9 game, and Vandy was horrible in the beginning of that game. Uh, came back, choked at the end, and, of course, Northwestern advanced. Um, what was that? Uh, Vandy McIntosh, had no- McIntosh, was that the point guard on? Yeah, the little white point guard. Yeah, but Vandy had no business losing that game either. They fouled. I think they intentionally fouled when they were up two or something. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's it was so a boneheaded bad. mistake. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Terrible. No, you're right. Northwestern sucks. Uh, I hate Iowa, so I wasn't happy to see Bohannon drill that shot. And my hate for Iowa goes back to it would be spring 2015, uh, spring break with my law school buddies in Destin, Florida. We're watching the Vols play in the play-in game. They're playing Iowa. We're enjoying the game. We're we're dominating them you know jordan mccray um you, you know josh richardson jarnell stokes mayman all these guys we're, we're dominating and then there's this douchebag florida fan within that bar i just started cheering for iowa out of nowhere and our buddy st pierre squared up with them and then it was like being at a chili's you know this was not the place to do it you know it wasn't a hooters it was essentially a chili's squared up with them and we hate iowa ever since so that sucked to see bohan and drill that shot but Fuck it. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. That being said, hell of a shot, hell of a comeback there in the Big Ten. A lot of good feet. That comes in at number three. Number two, I want to shift focus to the Ivy League. Harvard-Columbia. Columbia was down three in regulation, right? And the Columbia player dribbles up the court, and he hits a three to force overtime. Some good feet. That, that in and of itself is really good feet. Shift to overtime. Harvard's down three now. Now, this guy on Harvard dribbles down, and he hits this absurd double-clutch shot to force a third overtime. I mean, I'm talking – this is why it's coming in at number two. Number one, it was a lot more entertaining than the Northwestern-Iowa game, but majority of this is because of the, the shot itself. I mean, he, he literally double-clutched. I think he brought the ball – it was almost like a circular motion. He brought it down to his dick, brought it back up in a double-clutch motion and hit the shot. I mean, this is this is a shot that you you take in horse, uh, let alone in a actual game to force a third overtime. Harvard then went on to win in triple overtime. One of those scenarios, um, I think it was 
Columbia should have fouled Harvard at the end of the game rather than allow them to get the three-point shot off, right? Talking about the end-of-game scenarios, five seconds or less. I think if I – I remember having that thought a while ago as I watched that happen. But again, just another another piece of evidence in the long-standing fight against whether or not schools should foul in those scenarios. Both teams should have done it. Like I said, Columbia was down three at the end of regulation. Harvard should have fouled. Vice versa, Harvard was down three at the end of the first overtime. Columbia should have fouled. We're not going to make a smart Ivy League comment here either just because that's, that's, everyone does that. We're not going to do that. Yeah. No, I'm just saying you should have done it. No, we're not doing it. Coming in at number one from this past weekend, Illinois State at Missouri State. This, you got to see to believe. What a buzzer beater. Illinois State is up two with seven seconds left, and they're inbounding the ball. They have the ball underneath their own hoop. One of the worst inbounds plays I'll, I'll ever see. Passes, I should say, because it was after a timeout. I got to think that all the players on Illinois State just got completely rattled didn't run any semblance of an inbounds play. The inbounder just tosses the biggest hospital pass you'll ever see, an absolute rainbow. No pepper on it whatsoever. Shout out George Malinakis. No pepper. And at this point, it's just a scrum, right? So uh, Missouri State somehow comes up with it, but I want to take you into this scrum. It's happening around midcourt. And all I could think of was Chris Berman announcing this game or announcing these highlights. That's all I wanted to hear was Chris Berman because there was rumbling, stumbling. There was the Mike All-Star. There was all that going on. Bodies hitting the floor, right? Just in in a real scrum. And I just wanted Berman for that split second to call that game and call that highlight because it would have been epic. Somehow Missouri State then – comes up with the ball after this entire scuffle, buries a half-court shot. Improbable. Down two with seven seconds left. You don't even have the ball. See, the other two games, they had the ball. Missouri State had to force a turnover. They did so by getting in the mud, getting on the floor. Guy picks up the ball and buries a half-court shot. That was incredible. That is – I mean, and you can only get that. That's not going to happen in the big-time conferences. Right, that's not going to happen in the Big Ten, Pac-12, SEC, ACC. That happens where there's you're in like a high school gym, grainy camera, nobody knows about it until you search it on Twitter. Incredible I mean, finish. These teams aren't chopped liver, though. I mean, Illinois State was pretty good a few years ago with, with their Missouri Valley teams, and I remember them going back and forth with Wichita State as early as I think it was last year. They're they're playing them in these games. Um, not to mention, I mean, it doesn't happen with the good teams because, you know, a good team wouldn't design that play when you just need to ice five seconds. I mean, how can you just throw a loft right over your own your own side of the court, right in front of your hoop? I realize the shot didn't go up from right there, but throw it deep, throw it deep, get it away from you, um, do something a lot safer than that. Uh, it was a crazy play. Good for, I don't even know who the fuck won that game. Missouri State. Missouri All State. That, yeah. I, mean, I couldn't distinguish the two teams. As I, I mean, I, I looking into Missouri State, all I know from them is Quanzo Martin used to coach those guys. So, that seems that looked, like, yeah, I used that looked like a play that Quanzo would draw up. You know, fuck I didn't it. know he was at Missouri State as well. Yeah, so he's been he started, yeah, he made the NIT, and apparently that was enough for him. To, so he's been through Missouri State and Missouri. Yeah, he has. 
<laughs> okay, come on. He's, he's coached like five teams in the past decade. He's That's, all about that money, man. He's a slut. He's getting around. Uh, and that being Illinois said, yeah, go ahead. I, I had nothing. Uh, I was just going to say, obviously, you don't you don't see that. You're right in the big time conferences because the level of play is better. But in terms of entertainment, I'm here for these awful plays. I'm here for the for the little guys not knowing how to throw the ball in bounds. I'm here for the inbounder not knowing that he can't move, but he moves regardless. Yeah. These are the types of breakdowns that as we inch closer and closer to March, we're going to see more of. And actually, this is why this is going to be a PSA right here. Jerome. You don't know what the Jerome there. Of course I am. I could sense it. Talk to me about the Jerome. If if you don't know what the Jerome is, if you're a theater goer listening to this right now, the Jerome is essentially the NCAA. Like you, you do the same thing in terms of picking teams to win, but it's your conference tournaments, right? So it's every you pick every single conference tournament champion, and so it's great to it's great to pick all the Power Six, Power Five conferences, but the real fun is when you're picking Missouri Valley Conference, the MAC, all of these awful schools, you know that nobody knows about, and you get results like these. You get games like this, and that's why college basketball—it's a little bit of a, a precursor, you know, a little appetizer, if you will, to the tournament itself. Yeah, can't advocate enough for the Jerome. Great way to set the table for March Madness. Get an idea about what teams are going to play well in the tournament, as well as get to know someone else. You learn a little bit about Illinois State and Missouri State. Exactly. So that's what the buzzer beaters were. A lot of good theater. Hopefully those continue. Let's move on to next topic here. Last week in the Virginia can't win the big one. As we're recording this, we're about 30 minutes, 45 minutes removed from them defeating North Carolina in Chapel Hill. I don't care. I don't give a shit. They uh, lost. Hell of, hell of a topic to lead the show with when – saying a team can't win the big one as they, they, can't go, win on, the- they go on the road and beat the, a nine and one team in the ACC, the all time winning is college basketball program in the history of the sport. They go on the road, they win that game, but Hey, let's talk about how they can't win the big one. Yeah. I'd love to, because I'm still going to go back to Syracuse elite eight. I'm going to go back to last year against UMBC. And I'm going to go here in this season, two games against Duke, the one on the road. Cameron, obviously a very difficult, hostile environment to play in, but they went up against a team without Trey Jones. Now, again, I've reiterated this in the past. I'm going to say it again. If you're going to be considered the best team in the country, which some people are saying Virginia very well is, you got to be able to take care of business without Trey Jones. Now, they come home. The scene shifts to Charlottesville. Say that five times fast. Scene shifts to Charlottesville. They come back. They come back home. I don't care that Trey Jones is playing, man. You're at home. That's a game you win every single time against a full roster against Duke. I don't care. You have to win that game at home to prove that you can defend home court against the top echelon team. If you're supposed to be one of the best in the entire country, the game wasn't even that close. That game wasn't really that competitive. Duke really kept them at an arm's length the entire time. Now, again, you're right. They did beat Carolina tonight, but no Nasir Little down the stretch. No Cam Johnson for Carolina down the stretch. Virginia is a really good team. Obviously they're fantastic. Not buying into them hundred percent. I still don't think, I don't think they win that game if either of those guys are healthy. So no, I don't think Virginia can win the big one still. All right. So a couple of thoughts here. Um, first, 
I think there's something to be said, you know, historically Virginia would win that game, right? I mean, they'd win that game in the regular season and then they would lose the game in March Madness. The Carolina game? No, the Duke game. Oh, okay. I mean, they were the number one overall seed in the tournament last year. I think they might've had one loss in the ACC last year. So historically in the regular season where it's the big game, they would win. I mean, they've been a great program the past five years. So what's the big game? I, I think we need to start with what's the definition of a big game. Is it against UMBC when you're stabbed in the back, you don't see it coming? Or is it when, you know, Subi's got nothing to do on a random Saturday in February and he's calling it a big game because it's a big game to him. So for them, that, that, that's what I want to put out there first of all. And trust me, I'm the biggest Virginia hater there is. I, I can't stand them. I don't think their basketball is going to translate to anything. I think they're lucky to make it to the final four this year. Having said that, I wouldn't think they're that horrible after what I saw on Saturday. To be honest with you, R.J. Barrett came out of that game and hit, I think, his first five threes. He started the game five for five. Duke got a great lead. At the end of the half, it was a six-point game. Virginia went on a run, and then you know Duke kind of stretched it out. So I'm not too concerned about UVA. In fact, what I saw of them tonight against North Carolina, I was pretty damn impressed with. Both Ty Jerome had a huge bucket driving the lane, and then Kyle Guy with the N1 shooting the three. They're just huge plays. And also that huge, blanky white guy. I mean, that guy's a weapon. They haven't had something like that in a while. Um, so that's where I'm at with the, Virginia. What are we going to call big to them? Hey, they've won this game in the past and meant nothing in March. So fuck it. They lost, at, they lost to Duke. Who gives a shit? I don't think people understand the the stigma that is losing or being the first number one overall seed to lose to a 16. So these, how, how statement, games, these statement games matter. I mean, you, you can't tell me that these weren't big time games. They got college game day twice at both of those places. But those what's big time games? I mean, how are we going to know what the stigma is here? It's existed for not even a year at this point. What if Virginia wins it all this year? That's not, apparently it's the kiss. That's what you want to happen. You want to lose to the 16th because you're going to win the next year. So who, who knows? Who knows? All I know is these. What happened in Charlottesville this past weekend is not going to define Virginia in a month. I know that much. I agree, but I, I feel like this, I disagree with that point. This goes back to what you said a couple weeks back. In terms of Maryland, we, we, these teams, when they put their jersey on, there's this connotation. There's this, uh, there's this stigma with them. Like Maryland, I think we said, in a nutshell, they can't win the big game. That's what Virginia is, man. It's not what happened here against Duke twice. It goes all the way back to Tony Bennett against Syracuse. It goes back to last year. It's that the culmination of all of these bad losses and uh, – I mean, look, they're obviously going to go deep. I think they're probably a sweet 16 elite eight team. But once they hit that mark, I think they take a loss. And I, there should be zero confidence in them winning those games. In my, my, I agree with you. I think we called those the Billy McFarland teams. But what happened against Duke shouldn't be leading you to this thesis that you're presenting here tonight. I mean, that should have just been your opinion from the get-go. Like, you shouldn't have just come up with that belief because of they lost to Duke a couple of days ago. I, I said that week one, though. I said no, I, I said think we're, we're in agreement. Really, yeah, we're just, just talking past each other. 
Yeah, you see, you you just stoking the fire over there. You're just saying, "Hey guys, I said this a while ago. Let me use this Duke game as the platform to do it." I, I'm down with that. I'm down with it. But I'm just giving you a little pushback. You know, that's why we have this dialogue. That's why we do these shows. Hey, speaking of pushback, I actually said I was the biggest thing I was curious about after the Duke Virginia game was if you were going to have any comments on Zion. And so I log on to Twitter and I just see quote Zion sucks after quite literally the most athletic fucking play I've ever seen. But I mean, that's not like, there he is. I, I, did, I, down. I did tweet that. I mean, you can't watch the game and think he's a very skilled basketball player. I think no one's disputing that he is an outrageous athlete and his numbers are phenomenal. What he does on the court, it's going to make you your jaw drop. But at the same time, you got to acknowledge that's probably not going to fly in the NBA. That's not the that's not the uh, argument that we're having. Week I, one, week one. You said you said I remember you said I want to see him do it in Charlottesville in Chapel Hill, which is yet to yet to come. I did, and you know what I saw? I, I I saw him do it in Charlottesville. He blocked a shot from the corner. That's what everyone's tweeting their dick about. You know, everyone's super excited about that. But you know what else I saw? I saw him only score on like offensive putbacks. I saw him put his head down with his left hand, dribble with his head down into the paint turn it over multiple times. That's what I saw. Like this guy. Awesome, dude. Like your, your numbers are, you're, you're super cool. You know, you can dunk really well, but there's not much basketball skill to his game. He's just playing with boys. He's a man. The rest are boys. You didn't say that week one though. Well, because I never did. I'm not watching his film from high school. You know, that was my initial take. You know, it was the take on the mountain that I've been talking about. I'm standing on the mountain. I'm the one screaming it. I'm alone. I'm, you know, Preston Blake from Deeds. You're Preston Blake, yes. I'm cold. I'm up there. But, like, I've watched him play, and I'm not in awe. He's not Ethan Happ on the post. I know that much. He's He's not attacking the rim like R.J. Barrett. I think there's a big difference between skill, you know, just straight skill, I think this guy just happens to be blessed with athletic talent that will probably fall off in five years as he gets older and, you know, body parts break down and, you know, you need an oil change every once in a while. I just not seeing it. So well, Virginia, <laughs> I, I'm, I cannot wait to come back to this take not in five years. Or so. I, 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 like like the, final, he might be a final four MV, MOP. If, let me put it this way. If, Zion Williamson was on Clemson, all right? He was considering Clemson. Yeah, so if he was on Clemson with, you know, marginal kind of three and four star players on his team, Clemson, in my mind, would be no better than like Florida State this year. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I mean, look, I, I think Trey Jones is the the key to that entire Duke team, but no, Clemson Clemson is right now battling for their tournament lives. They'd be deadlocked, yeah. and Zion right would Zion, bump, Zion would Zion bump, would bump them, them up to Florida State level. No, 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 Florida State level. That's it. All right, that's what I think. Let's revisit. The, let's revisit this topic. You're, I think you're, you're Preston, Preston Blaking a little too hard right now, but we'll revisit that, that topic. Hard Blake. That's not hard Blake. I mean, I. I they're going from a non-tournament team to a sixty or a five. Not a sixty. Florida State, Clemson. I I think Clemson would be better than a top five, top sixteen. All right. I don't. But Virginia can't win the big one. Completely disregard this win against North Carolina tonight. Uh, 
So from one team in Virginia to the defending national champs in Villanova, never in doubt in me writing them off. Love that I was correct in writing them off. Uh, there's a little tongue in cheek there, but they did lose a nail biter at Marquette courtesy of Marcus Howard's 38 points. Here's my question. Why is Marcus Howard not on or not in player of the year talks? Is he not a Wooden Award finalist? I'm sure. No, he is. But I'm, everyone's talking about Zion. Everyone's talking about right, John Morant. People are talking about, uh, I don't know, I'm sure some other fifth-year senior that I'm completely forgetting right now. Marcus Howard is a goddamn bucket getter. Marcus Howard is a guy that you look at the bracket and you see Marquette going up against a team and you're like, mm, Marquette's definitely not going to win that game or they're not as good as this other team but you got to factor in the Marcus Howard factor. So I'm just curious why Howard doesn't have, or isn't in player of the year talks just yet. I think he should as well, just because without him, he, he really is the engine for that team. It's an offensive minded team and he is very skilled offensively. Um, I, I don't know, he, he was this good offensively last year too. Uh, it's really no shocker. And they're winning this year, though. They won last year as well. They're a top 10 team right now. They're going to be ranked even higher. They might win the Big East. Yeah, but I, was, I came away from that game thinking I'm hesitant to pick Marquette to make it to the Sweet 16. There's just something about them. I think they won that game because they were at home. And I think if that game was actually two minutes longer, Villanova would have just you know punched them in the face it had that vibe to it where they were hanging on for dear life and they got everything they could out of Howard, but ultimately they need more out of the Hauser brothers. That just wasn't really there for them for most of the game. So I'll give, I'll give, you know, Howard credit, but, and I think he should definitely be considered for one of the top players in the country, but there's something about that team that I, I don't necessarily trust that much. He, he, he also, he also can't cover anyone. I mean, no, he is, a I don't, I don't care. It's, I mean, you should care. You should care because this stuff matters in, in you know, tight games. When you're playing in Omaha at, you know, 9 p.m. in front of, like, substantially less of your crowd in front of you, if you're a liability on defense, you're, they're going to go at you every single time. Yeah, you he's can make free throws, but. He's such a gifted offensive scorer that I apply the James Harden rule. Everyone dogs James Harden for his lack of defense, but if he's putting up 40. This, this analogy he's, right he's, here. He's carrying the entire load. Stopping this right now. You're comparing Marcus Howard to James Harden. because Scoring ability? It matters more at the college level. Defense. Look, Marcus Howard's carrying the load offensively for this team. If he can't guard anyone, that's fine. The other four people got to do it. That's one takeaway. Second takeaway, one of the Hauser brothers looks exactly like Gordon Hayward. Forget which one, but it's one of them. The other one, the other takeaway, <laughs> last takeaway here, Phil Booth. I don't know if you saw the last play, but actually this was Marcus Howard's fault. Marcus Howard switched too early on Phil Booth, giving Booth a uncontested drive to the, to the hoop. And he just doesn't shoot. Booth, like, he, he just keeps going to the baseline, catches himself underneath the hoop, and then has to kick it out for, I mean, they barely got even any sort of semblance of a shot off. But Phil Booth had a floater or a pull-up or, uh, you know, a quick layup off the glass, 
And Booth was cooking towards the end of that game. He's their senior leader. He's been there for goddamn ever. He has two national titles, which is absurd in today's college basketball world. But Phil Booth, shoot the ball, dude. Yeah, that was a bad look. Um, I was a Villanova plus two backer. So when he didn't take it and the clock was kind of trickling down underneath five seconds, I was a little bit excited because I felt like they were going to wait for the last shot and I'd cover no matter what. And that's what happened. So thank you, Phil Booth. But you're right. He easily could have taken that to the rack, at least got fouled. Maybe they pushed to overtime. Maybe Marquette hits one at the end. But all I know is if you give me Villanova versus Marquette in Tampa, Florida on a Sunday afternoon, I'm taking Villanova every single time based on what I saw right there. Why? I already wrote them off. You don't want to take Nova. They're done. Oh, well, allow me to just go alert Anderson Cooper and all the other news pundits out there that you have written a team off because how can we all coexist on this wonderful country now that that news has been delivered to us? Well, now that Arizona is not going to make the tournament, I can now pick with a clear head and not any sort of bias. So you should listen to me. No, I, I, I have a bracket oh, winning on, under on, my belt on. back in like eighth grade. What? Do you know how you just pronounced tournament right there? Did I do it properly? You said tournament, not tournament. We made right. That's some change right there. All right. Next <laughs> topic. Progress. Uh, last two items here for last week in theater. I'm going to stick in the Pac-12. Bill Walton ate an entire cupcake with the candle still lit. Insane move, but I love it. Bill Walton, an absolute treasure. Not just a Pac-12 treasure, but a national treasure. Dave Pash, who has pretty much seen every antic that Bill Walton's done in doing broadcast with him. Even he was taken about by Walton, just chomping down in a fully lit candle on a cupcake. So, Love Bill Walton. And then lastly, Tad Boyle, head coach for Colorado, just goes ballistic at USC, right? So Tad Boyle and his Colorado Buffaloes in the Galen Center, they beat USC. As the final buzzer goes off, he turns around and he's more pumped up than any of the stu- any of the players. He's just gyrating, pumping his fist, going crazy. And I don't know if he was trying to pump up his own crowd because you know how the traveling section will sit right behind the team bench. So I don't know if he was doing that, but Tad Boyle going insane after that win to get his Buffaloes to a 14 and nine record. You know? Doesn't he have history <laughs> with Andy Enfield? Isn't that why you did that? I don't know. I don't I, I don't think he does. What Andy Enfield, the most harmless person. What did uh, he do? No, no, no. I think there was something uh, last year. Um, Tad Boyle had a comment about Arizona and USC potentially paying for recruits, and then um, Andy and USC played Colorado, and USC was beating the shit out of Colorado, and Enfield called the timeout with like ten seconds left in the game for no apparent reason other than just to be like, "Hey, fuck you, Boyle," and then. That's why Boyle was so fired up this year. So I think that's the backstory. Do they have, I mean, you're the Pac 12 guy. Does Colorado have any chance of making the tournament this year? Or do they? No. I, I always like Tad Boyle. I don't know why. I don't know. What, something about him, I, he just looks like a basketball coach. You know, he looks like he could have, like Gene Hackman and Hoosiers. He's got that look to him. So Tad, they haven't been in the tournament in a while. I, I feel like. I think it was Derek White team. I think they made it that year. Yeah. They need to get back. Taddy Boyle. But 
Yeah, no, Tad, Tad Boyle is like the Danny Hurley of the Pac-12, even though we already got one Hurley and Bobby in at ASU. Tad Boyle is like the Danny Hurley of the Pac-12. He's tall, he's bald, and after those antics, I mean, that's exactly what Danny Hurley would do. Speaking of Danny Hurley, the Memphis boys, the you know the Chief and all of them were at the Memphis-UConn game, and I guess Danny was just <laughs> chirping the crowd, telling them to shut the fuck up, things like that. Uh, I think in the first episode of this, uh, you know, what a loser. Of, of this show, such a loser. I think we said he's the biggest hardo. So, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad the barn guys were able to to catch that. But that's my last week in feet right there. All right. So, upcoming feet. Uh, we got three games. First one is not going to be one that you expect. It's not going to be an ACC game. It's not going to be a Pac-12 game. It's not going to be a Big Ten game. It won't even be a Big Twelve game. It's going to be a Mac game. We're going to the Mac Friday night. Buffalo goes to the crown jewel of Northwest Ohio, Toledo. Toledo is 20 and four. Buffalo is 20 and three in one corner. Buffalo is number one in the Mac East. In the other corner, Toledo is number one in the Mac West. These teams are lining up. It's a collision course and it's going to be a goddamn fight. So this game is on Friday night, so watch whatever the hell you want to watch for the remainder of this week, whatever's on ESPN or ESPN2. But just know, come Friday night, when it's the all-star festivities going on in the NBA, that Buffalo and Toledo is going to be the game to watch. Do you have any initial reaction to those two teams? No, not at all. I I really couldn't tell you anything about that. I am glad that you brought up that it's all-star weekend because I love NBA all-star weekend. So probably going to be watching the celebrity game don't, don't disrespect that all right don't disrespect my my oh, I I want know, diamond in the rough here all right okay yeah. I'm B- buffalo toledo is going to be a good game though you're right two i didn't know toledo one has won 20 games oh they've won 20 games and they've won it this is i need to do a little more research into this but the leading scorer for toledo he's this guy named jalen sanford all right so jalen sanford would you picture a white guy with blonde hair and blue eyes from Evansville, Indiana, being named Jalen Sanford? Well, is he like a Jalen Fisher? Is he no. albino? No, he's not. He looks like a Hauser. Jalen's he looks right. like a Hauser brother, pretty much. And he's on Toledo. You said he's Toledo's leading scorer. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. I know. So I, I, I need to watch the game. This guy, he, he's. He's impressive. He puts up good numbers. He's like 16 and some change here and there. Um, He's a ball player. So I want to watch Jalen Sanford. And they actually have another guy that is near and dear to my heart, Chris Darrington, who was a backup guard for the Tennessee Volunteers last year. So he's probably kicking himself for leaving that. But I think he ran out of eligibility and he's a graduate transfer. So he ended up in Toledo. But that's a terrible I've been to Toledo before and I can confidently say that that was a horrible decision by Chris Darren Uh, but otherwise I mean when you think of the Buffalo guys um, I'm trying to remember that their best player Massenburg Massenburg. yeah you probably remember him don't you Uh, not as well as you would think because I was pretty blacked out during that game but yes good I remember a lot of them and Buffalo is also going to have um the next hot shot coach, Nate Oates, is their coach. He was a disciple of Bobby Hurley. Um, 
and the Toledo coach actually kind of sucks. He's been at Toledo for a while and they're finally good. But this is a perfect, this is a perfect matchup though for Jerome, because we could very well see these two in the conference tournament title game. Am I right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, they're, they're on the collision course right now. And of course we didn't mention this, but obviously you get more points in Jerome. If you pick uh, a team that's less likely to win their conference tournament, Toledo with 20 wins, they can very well win that tournament, right? Yeah, so, but they're going to be they're going to be probably the one seed or the two seed in the tournament. Oh, I should also mention this: the last time they well, I mean, but, played, last time on. they played, it was in Buffalo. Buffalo won by thirty. So thirty. Keep, keep that in your back. <laughs> it was actually one ten to eighty two. So it was a lot of points. So keep that in your back pocket. Um, but just know that the you know Toledo is going to be rocking on Friday night. The Rockets, dude. They are the Rockets, aren't they? They are the Toledo Rockets. Rockets. Some of the worst font I've ever seen on a college football uniform, though. Look up the Toledo Rockets uniform. Yeah, they just have these huge, fat block letters that were just visually unappealing. Yeah, it's definitely like kind of superhero font, like if you're really fooling around on Microsoft Word. Also, uh, Kareem Hunt, Toledo guy. Congrats hey. on your job. Yeah. Anyway, that's a big game on a Friday night for Actually, that night. Real quick, before you move on, you know how I always try and sneak in one celebrity appearance at a at a big-time college basketball game? Kareem no. Hunt. Kareem Hunt coming back. I did Scott Frost with Nebraska a couple think, of weeks back. You think Kareem Hunt's going to be courtside? Kareem Hunt celebrating his employment in the state that gave him a second chance. I'll tell you what, Father. I'm hard on you sometimes, but I like it. I like that one. I like that one a lot. I'm trying to think if there's anyone that plays for Buffalo on the Browns. I don't think so. So, all right, moving on now. Um, so Saturday, there's a few games. You're going to get a good ACC game like you're going to get every week. But in the spirit of Subi, I know you predicted that this is the year that Kansas is going down in the big 12. Got it all, all wrong, man. No. Oh, I'm I'm flipping it for you right now. This is the year that Kansas is going down in the Big 12. I'm looking at my iPad. I'm watching the Kansas. They're up by five against TCU right now going in, in that game. But Kansas State is leading the Big 12. They have Iowa State coming to Manhattan at 4 o'clock on Saturday. These are the two teams that I think are the best. I, I came into the season saying Texas Tech. I'm really most impressed with Kansas State and the Iowa State Niangs at this point in the year. And I think this game is going to be awesome because Iowa State can really throw it up. They can really score. Mario Shayak can score. Your boy Wigginton can score. My my boy Horton Tucker can get buckets. And then Kansas State with Barry Brown and Dean Wade and Diarrhea, all those guys, they just play phenomenal defense. So it's going to be a great clash uh, and I think if Kansas State wins that game, they're going to have the separation in the Big 12 where it's going to be over for the boys from Lawrence. Huge tilt in Manhattan. And, yeah, Kansas, I I held on. For, I was holding on for dear life last week regarding Kansas and their Big 12 title hopes. That was all before Marcus Garrett is still out. LeGerald Vick had to remove himself from the team for personal reasons. So it's a huge mess right now in Lawrence, Kansas, but still – like you said, if if they beat TCU, they're not they're not completely dead just yet. But Iowa State, uh, Iowa State, Kansas State, 
I think we need we owe uh, Kansas State an apology. We shit on them in the first episode. Yeah, we did. We completely wrote them off. We said they were boring, lukewarm, lame, and it's taken a lot of hits for Kansas for Kansas State, excuse me, to propel themselves now to the class of the Big Twelve. But like you said, we all thought that if there was going to be a second team outside of Kansas, it was going to be Texas Tech because they played Duke so well. They were ranked top ten. For a little bit, but they struggled out of the gate in, in the Big 12. They were kind of this flashy pick. Bruce Weber, all he's done is taken a Kansas State team to the Elite Eight last year, beating a really good Kentucky team. And then this year, he's got them poised to win the Big 12. Great job by Bruce Weber, and I think we owe them an apology. We do. I, I'm willing to apologize for that one. I am too. Uh, I, that was mainly out of spite just because I was bored watching them play Kentucky last year and in their other games, but. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like when you get all, you know, jazzed up about teams like Marquette, like Kansas State, if they played Marquette, would just put him in a freaking blender. You know, they would be all over them. Your guy Howard would not have any air to breathe. He'd be like the like the ship is sinking and the water is rising and he's like swimming to the surface and it's like slowly rising. And he's like, uh, uh, like the otter and the wedding crashers. And he's like, uh, <laughs> that's what your guy Howard would be doing against Kansas State. No room to breathe. So that's – I would love to see that matchup. You give, me, you give me that matchup in a Sweet 16 game? I'm Marcus Howard just dropped 38 points against the two-time national champions. I'm not, I'm not going backwards. I'm looking forward. I put the whole town in my rear view. I'm looking forward. Please. All right. We'll re- Kansas re- State, Iowa State. Yeah. Kansas State, Iowa State. So I said my piece about Kansas State. I've apologized. Iowa State, on the other hand, I don't know why you're calling them the Iowa State Neangs. They're the Shayoks. Because coming into this season, I had zero clue that Mariel Shayok transferred from Virginia. That is, in my opinion, the number one reason why they lost to UMBC because they missed that veteran leadership in Shayok. But Shayok bringing his talents over to the Big 12, Iowa State, Steve Prom has done a really nice job as well, keeping them not only in contention, but poised to also play for a big 12 title. So you're right. This game in Manhattan is huge. And I'm looking for Dean Wade to just go off and prove that he should be preseason big 12 player of the year. I'm going to take Kansas state in this one and they will create some separation. And then I think they, they got to still go to Kansas. If I'm not mistaken, Kansas, Kansas already lost in Manhattan. Uh, I could be wrong, but if they don't play again, if Kansas Kansas State doesn't play again, then that's a huge win for Kansas State. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't want to get too bogged down on this. I, Iowa State is called the Iowa State Niangs because in 2014, when George Niang broke his foot, Iowa State would have won the national championship as I picked them to go to the finals had that injury not happened. Instead, UConn won. UConn played. Iowa State in the Sweet 16 game in Madison Square Garden. There, there was points all over the place, but Niang did not play. If Niang was healthy, Niang would have won a championship with Iowa State that year. That is a fact. And for you, to, for, you, well, for you to just discount what George Niang meant for not only Iowa State as a university, but for this country as someone that just moved, played positionless basketball. He could do it all. He could post them up. He could play point forward. He could shoot. He could dribble. He played great defense. For you to disrespect that, it's always the same with you, huh, pal? It's always the same with you. Niang, let it go. 
nice little teaser for our uh, interview with a certain someone from Along Came Polly. Also, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. Also, Kansas State still has to go on the road to Kansas on a big fun day. Whatever. All right. Final game for us to address. It's the kind of game that keeps you up at night. It's the kind of game that makes you shuffle in bed, that makes you think, stare out into the abyss, wonder what you got planned the next day, give you trouble falling asleep. It's the Tennessee Volunteers, the number one team in the nation for the fifth straight week, going to their arch rivals in Lexington, Kentucky. Big Blue Nation, the number five ranked team in the country. I'm Pavlov. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Folks, if you could see what's on my computer screen right now, it is hot. I have love. Tennessee goes to Lexington for a tilt at 8 p.m. and what is going to be an epic, epic matchup. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. This is all under the assumption that Kentucky is going to beat LSU earlier this week, which they might not. LSU is kind of dangerous. But we all want the same thing. We all want Tennessee-Kentucky in a classic battle uh, to see who's going to be reigning on top of the SEC. Now, if you go back to last year, Tennessee beat Kentucky both times, both times, except in the SEC championship when that kind of sucked. But, you know, it's, there's a large part of me as a Vol fan that thinks we need a loss thinks we need one because we we, too hot right now we are too hot and rick barnes does this thing where he just plays our starters the full game i I mean it's hard to already disagree with the guy but like he does it because he thinks it's insulting to the other team if you're to empty your bench but i mean like for instance last game jordan bone rolled his ankle in the first half and when we're beating the bag out of teams like you can you know, I think we can sit Jordan Bone for the last five minutes of the game and just bring in some bump. Um, Chris Darrington, that would have been a good, nice guy to have on the team, but he's up in Toledo now. But anyways, I, I'm so excited and thrilled for this game. I don't have much analysis. I, I don't want to get them. We're gonna, Grant Williams is going to have a great game. Admiral Schofield is probably going to shoot too much. Uh, hopefully, Lamonte Turner hits a few threes. Jordan Baden probably will either be very hot or very cold. And... Um, there's going to be a lot of fouls going the Kentucky Wildcats way. Yeah, I'm not here for the analysis either. I'm here for the for the theatrics, the theater, and the atmosphere at Rupp Arena is going to be amazing. Tyler Hero launching threes. P.J. Washington bumping and grinding down low. Washington versus Grant Williams and Washington versus Admiral Schofield is going to be grown man SEC basketball. I'm very much looking forward to that. So, I mentioned the term Pavlov. This is the exact type of game where you just stick your tongue out and the saliva drips from the sides coming out of your mouth slowly like molasses, just, just dripping like one of Pavlov's dogs when he hears that bell. When I see this matchup on my ticker, the mouth, the salivatory glands just go into fucking overdrive. So this is going to be an awesome game. In terms of predictions... I'm wrestling back and forth. And this is going to be part of my Saturday big three. But if, if I, me, before you say that, if I had to guess the spread, I'd say Kentucky's favored by two. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I mean, this is a top five matchup. 
again, hopefully, hopefully Kentucky beats LSU to, to keep the, the intrigue. But yeah, I would say favored by two is fair. Don't you? I mean, Kentucky's definitely gonna be favored and Tennessee's got a, got a, something good going for him right now where everyone's like, you know, Tennessee's only number one. Cause they only have one losses where as Duke, because they have two losses, but everybody knows Duke's better. So they can kind of channel that into some more sort of underdog thing. But I mean, that's maybe something for you to worry about. I don't care about that stuff. I don't, I don't think Duke is that much better than Tennessee. I think if they played head to head, Duke would win, but it would be an absolute dogfight. Those guys, those are the two best teams in the country right there, Duke and Tennessee, and then the rest of the field. But if we focus here on, on this matchup on Saturday, Tennessee, Kentucky, it feels as if it's been a pretty long time in the sec where there have been two heavyweights. I'm talking top five teams, right? Kentucky, Florida has always been pretty good. And maybe there were some top five matchups there, but Tennessee, Kentucky, one in five. This is a huge opportunity for Kentucky because they can launch themselves. If they beat Tennessee, they're on the one line, in my opinion. They, if, if they beat Tennessee and Selection Sunday was the following day, they would be a one seed. Oh, definitely. Opinion. No, they absolutely. But and it's, it's crazy to think how far they've come from that ass-whooping that they took at the hands of Duke and even some of the early season struggles that they had after that. Yeah, I, here's where I come down on it. I, Tennessee, we're returning everyone from last year. Everybody knows that. Last year when we lost in the SEC championship game, excuse me, championship game, it's because we couldn't cover Shea Gilgis, Alex Breastmilk. I mean, we, we just had no answer for a guard that big and that lanky that could get into the, the paint whenever he wanted. Also, Wenyan Gabriel hit like a million threes against us. So we struggle with people that, can really light it up from the perimeter. I don't think Kentucky has that this year. I think Higgins is tough. He's a little smaller. I, I am a little bit nervous about bone against him. I think Higgins is a, such a good defender and I think he can get out and transition and beat us a little bit. So I'm a little nervous about him, but when I look at the rest of the team, I, I think we're going to win. I think we are. I think we're not going to be favored. I, th- I think we're better. Even if we lose, I'm not going to panic. But assuming Brad Calipari doesn't play. If Calipari <laughs> plays, then, you know, all bets are off. What was the what shirt? What shirt? Yeah. No, no, I was just going to ask you a picture of it. Um, yeah. Like, this is my face when I don't care or something. I don't know. Some stupid I'm, I'm about to look this up. Hold on. Keep Great it. shirt. Oh, in, <laughs> in memory of when I cared. <laughs> That's it. I, what's going on with that guy? What an asshole! And then he, he looks, looks like he looks like Mega Mind. Yeah, he looks like a, a, a tough to even come up with a word right there. So I won't. But and I don't know, Keldon Johnson. Maybe this is going to be his breakout game against us. Who knows? I'm, I'm more nervous about Higgins and um, Reed Travis is probably going to get like, like a whole bunch of fouls that go his way. It seems like that kind of night. This is. Uh, a perfect type of game for you as a fan, because right now you're going to be obviously super invested into the game. You're going to want, want to want Tennessee to win, of course, but if they lose, it's fine. All you have to do is keep it competitive. And it's weird for us to say that as a, as you know, you guys are the one seed, you guys are the better team. If you look at it on paper, but going into Rupp, if you win that game, that's incredible. Incredible win. You pretty much actually, if you win that game, you've probably solidified yourself as the one 
Yeah, assuming you don't point. collapse. At collapse, the right. 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 We, right. We have to go. We have to play in LSU. I take care of business. How about this? You you beat Kentucky and you take care of business the rest of the regular season. I don't think you have to win the SEC title to be to be a lock for the one. I think I you could. I think you thought, could lose one of those games. Yeah, we have to play Kentucky and Knoxville as well. So. Right, right, right. We're, we're not going to be done with these motherfuckers. We could see them again in the Final Four as well. I, I well, could no, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying before that, before that. Let's not even think that far ahead. I'm just saying to, this is I a good want, win. I just want them to be a one seed or a two seed in the Eastern That's, League, so they're in Washington D.C. and I can get out there and watch that game. That's all. I for sure, be, it'll for sure be at the two. That's that's easy. But, but anyways, this is the kind of game I'm thinking about it right now. I have to travel to New Orleans in a couple of days. I was in San Diego last week for a full week. Spent the full week thinking about it, thinking about it in New Orleans. Um, I was kind of just humble bragging about the fact that I get to go to cool cities right there. But I'm thinking about it in a variety of different places. Yeah. So I think, you know, we discussed this before the show, but I got an empty house all to myself for a three-day weekend. Let me tell you something. It's going to be a... 30 rack challenge kind of day, maybe some Chick-fil-A, who knows, but I will be having college basketball on all day. And the main course is going to be Kentucky, Tennessee. I can't wait. Soup, if I may, to quote, to quote ponytail, never had more and wanted less. Yeah. We'll tell you the ponytail story one day later on down the road. But what do we got in terms of hugs here, father? Let's give out some hugs. You're right. I'm going to give out my hug to the University of Virginia, dot, dot, dot. Students, because they're clutch, they come up big in big-time situations. Did you know that University of Virginia, whenever game day is there, they do that State Farm half-court challenge, and they give out scholarship money or whatever if you hit the half-court shot? Virginia's four for their last four. So they've trotted out. The last four times, a student, and they've buried it every single time. It is an insane streak. It's a more impressive streak, IMHO, than Kansas winning the Big 12 14 straight years in a row. That's how you come up big. I need, I need Tony Bennett doing like a, an all-hands or, or an open gym and asking, picking the brains of these young, young children, these students, who have no business being on a basketball court and asking, how do you guys come up so big? Because they do four for four incredible streak hug for Virginia student body over the past four years. That is impressive. What, what do they get like 10, 10 grand or something for a scholarship? More than that. I, I, more than that? I don't know. Uh, Jay Williams just goes absolutely ballistic. Go it's, yeah. it's like, it's kind of annoying, but Virginia students, man, four for four. That's incredible. I'm also going to be giving my hug to a Virginia student. He doesn't go to the University of Virginia. He goes to Virginia Tech. His name is, how's that for Mass lead. Mass you like lead. that? Uh, not bad. Eh, okay. All right. Uh, it's Virginia Tech point guard, Justin Robinson. So he's a point guard. He's been there for, he's a senior, uh, arguably a Van Wilder guy, but I think we're going to miss out on him because he had an ankle injury back on January 20, 30th, excuse me. And ever since then, he has proven to be the engine for everything Buzz Williams and the Hokies. They've only won once, and it was against NC State when NC State scored 24 points. He's, if you don't know who he is, he's that lefty on that just 
wheedles his way down the lane whenever he can, you know, just finds a little gap and throws it up there. gets a big bucket whenever they need him. The classic guy that is like, if you don't have this guy on your team, there's no chance you're going to win. That is what Justin Robinson is for Virginia tech. And they are in a free fall right now. They've lost two straight. They could easily lose a few more and it could get to the point where if they, those losses start really piling up. For instance, I was on some of the hokey kind of fan sites earlier today. And some of them were like, we could lose out. <laughs> we could lose out without him. Um, now I don't think that'll happen. I think Buzz is too good of a coach. They got other good players on their team, like Al- Nikhil Alexander, Roby, whatever the fuck that guy's name is, you know, Blackshear, who's been there forever, and the shooter outlaw. I think they're going to be all right. But without this guy Robinson, they suck. They'll get. They'll probably get in, but they suck. So he needs a hug. It probably means nothing to him because you know, all in all, he's probably not going to play in the NBA. He's going to go play in the Europe somewhere. Once this is all said and done, he's going to miss out on a good March Madness run. But take a hug. No, take the hug. Take the gum. Virginia Tech, if only they started their free fall just a week earlier when I said that NC State was going to run him out of the building and they promptly scored 24 points. So tough, tough break for Virginia Tech here going down the road. Let's get into this week in feet. Twit time. This week in feet, our boy in 2015, Thomas Walkup of Stephen F. Buttermilk. Stephen F. Austin drops 34 in a route over Houston Baptist. Now, I don't think anyone knew about Stephen F. Austin. Anyone knew about Thomas Walkup. Anyone knew about Brad Underwood at this juncture four years ago. But make no mistake about it. Fast forward about a month and a half in March. Thomas Walkup was the guy for Stephen F. Austin. I think they, I think they made the second, the second weekend. Not sure. But that was America's Darlings for at least one weekend. So I want to give a big shout out to Thomas Walkup, his big old Abe Lincoln beard dropped 34 career high against Houston Baptist. And essentially his, his efforts. And of course he's a good coach, but his efforts, Thomas Walkup's efforts launched Brad Underwood to Oklahoma state where he just was a turncoat left them after a year. And now he's at Illinois and they're having a pretty terrible year, but they've actually come off of three straight wins, one against Michigan state. So Thomas Walkup this week in feet, dropping 34. Let me ask you this. All right. So on the topic of Thomas Walkup, a little hypothetical for you here. Thomas Walkup and Marty Smith, ESPN, both walk into the same bar and compete for the same chick. Who leaves with that chick? Smith. Come on. You think so? Smith. He's got, he's got the boxy, but Walkup's got the height. They both have the same look. You pull up a picture of these two guys. They look nearly identical they do look pretty identical doesn't the walk-up kind of also looks like a little bryce harper am i, am I wrong on this so he, i mean almost immediately the chick is going to be drawn to the taller guy walk up but once marty smith opens his mouth and starts you know you know giving a report or kind of just taking in the scene around him and she can hear his voice i've never heard walk up talk but i know that he he's clutched too so that this is this could be might have something here marty smith does Mark Luganis types backflips back into pussy. I also he feel like he's drowning in it. I feel like Marty Smith, it might be like five foot two. He seems like the kind of guy that if you saw him in person, he is disturbingly short. I'm team Marty Smith on this one, but I also wanted to give a shout out to T-Walk. 
50 walk. What do we got in Kansas, uh, Kansas TCU? That's an overtime right now, right? I'm really not trying to give the, the theater goers here a live update. I'm genuinely curious. I'm watching it 74-73 in overtime. Kansas is up by one. TCU's got the ball. Can we end this show so I can go watch this? Theater in Fort Worth. We're going to close the curtains. Enjoy the weekend. I know I will on my couch with Chick-fil-A and a 30 rack. Tennessee, Tucky, enjoy it all. Close curtains. <laughs>